Hey everyone, and welcome to Making It With Maggie, a community created for women who continue to live, maybe laugh, and definitely love as I share real life experiences as a human, mom, wife, and business owner. This podcast will include my background as a physical therapist and women's health coach to apply a variety of health and wellness strategies to this thing we call life. It's time to transform our motivations from passive self-awareness to an active aware yes. Hello everyone and welcome back to Making It With Maggie. Today we're gonna be going over a case study of a patient that I've been working with that was referred to me from a previous colleague of mine who was originally treating her for low back pain. And so how this process started out was the patient was referred to physical therapy by their primary care physician. She had started with my colleague because the order on the prescription said low back pain, which is a lot of times what we see when you're going to a physician, they're simply writing down, hey, this is the symptom that the patient is having can you take care of this, seems to be a movement issue, which is totally fine because we are the experts in movement and that's where we can really delve into our more detailed assessment. So my previous colleague primarily treats orthopedic conditions. So your basic shoulder pain, post-op knee replacements, um, low back pain, you name it, um, he can manage it. And so upon his evaluation, he wasn't really able to reproduce the pain that the patient was experiencing, which I tell people that you may not always have a reproduction of pain in the office. I gotta believe you'd have better things to do with your time than attending a PT appointment. And the pain has gotta be bad enough that you're like, hey, I'm setting up this appointment because I finally wanna do something about it. So I take that for a grain of salt when people come in to see me. Okay, you can't reproduce the pain, but what typically aggravates this? And we go into a little bit more detail about that. So when he did a little bit more digging on her, her medical history, um, recognized that she is four months postpartum. So he immediately reached out to me um, and he had asked, you know, hey, I've got this patient. She's four months postpartum, has low back pain. I'm really not sure where to go with this. So referred her over to me, which I completely appreciated. And how he had learned about that beyond the four month postpartum report that she had given, he had also done a pelvic floor screening. It is a form that I give outpatient physical therapists to give to patients. It's a series of questions. And if they answer two or three of them positively, that means that the pelvic floor may be related and they can be referred to a pelvic floor PT. So he'd used that. He said, I think this is the direction that we need to go and I completely agreed. So the next visit, she came in to see me. She, so a little bit background on the patient. She's in her mid thirties. She was physically fit prior to her pregnancy and throughout her pregnancy. So she continued to work out a little bit 
to what she felt comfortable with and did more walking versus weightlifting because she wasn't 100% sure on how she felt and didn't want to harm the baby in any way. And so after her pregnancy, she had had the onset of back pain. She, this was her first delivery. So she has one child. It was a vaginal delivery. There was no complication during the delivery process. But once she was starting to stand and cook, holding her baby, nursing, she then tried to return to exercise at that three-month postpartum mark. That's when the back pain started to worsen. She would also notice an occasional like tweak or sharp pain on the right side of her low back. And so that is, that's kind of the detailed information she gave my colleague. It also matched up with me because I reviewed all these questions with her. But then I went in a little bit deeper to asking about urinary symptoms, bowel movements, um, how is her, her menstrual cycle, is it regular, and then any difficulties with intercourse. So she wasn't having any leaking, although she did say that she hadn't returned to any agility work or running, so she hadn't tested any of that out. Um, bowel movements are regular. She did have pain with intercourse and so discontinued that because of the pain. Wasn't sure if it would heal on its own or if that's something that PT could help with, which, newsflash, it definitely can. She had started having or resuming regular menstrual cycles. She had also discontinued um, breastfeeding by this point. It gives me a better idea of where her hormones are at without getting additional blood work when looking further into it. Beyond the postpartum questioning, she also had a history of scoliosis. But prior to her pregnancy and the delivery and the recent onset of low back pain, she never had any symptoms in relation to the scoliosis. It never gave her any problems. She was never limited with advanced exercises because of this either. And the other thing I always ask people is that, did you have any history of falls? I specifically look at falling on your tailbone or on one side or another if you're falling on your hip at all. Then we got to looking at how she was moving. So she was a little stiff through her mid-back. She had a slight curve in her spine from the scoliosis. So I took note of that, but that that wasn't a huge factor prior to this. She was definitely stiff through her low back and through her hips when we were looking into some of that range of motion further. She was also holding her breath with getting onto and off of the PT table. And when we checked lower abdominals, she was having a hard time kicking those muscles in also. So we also ruled out additional orthopedic conditions which confirmed what the previous PT had looked at also. And that's where we got into the education phase of our evaluation. We kind of synthesize everything based on what data we got from what the patient had told me and what I saw in the clinic that day. I like to inform people of the anatomy, the muscles, the bones, some of the nerves, the vasculature that goes around this area and how these play a different role, how these are different pieces of the puzzle, and once they come together, 
that's when we can start to move forward in her care. This also helps me explain and connect some of the pieces when it comes to someone that is coming in for low back pain and all of a sudden you're making a shift to this could possibly be coming from the pelvic floor, sometimes that is hard for people to grasp. They're like, well, my doctor said it was low back pain and that's where I'm feeling it. How is this related to the pelvic floor? So it does take some education behind that so that people are on board with the plan of care and how we want to move forward, especially when we go to do a hands-on manual assessment and treatment. And so for this individual, we had mentioned, okay, we've done everything externally. We've been able to palpate or feel some of the muscles that are tight or that have reproduced symptoms. Do you feel comfortable with doing an internal vaginal palpation at this point in time to see how the pelvic floor muscles are responding to light palpation and if they reproduce pain. So I received that consent from the patient. We went through and did an internal vaginal palpation and there were muscles on the left side closer to the inside of her hip and pelvis that actually reproduced her right low back pain that she was experiencing. And I have this open communication with people, so when I'm pressing an area, is this tender? Oh yes, this feels tight, it's pressure, but it's not reproducing my pain. Okay, I'm gonna go test another area now. Oh, yep, that is the pain I feel. Okay, that's it's starting to get a little achier. Okay, now that's starting to go away. A lot of times, it just confirms that these muscles can be a piece of the puzzle, they can be a contributing factor. It may not be the whole thing, But it's definitely something we don't want to overlook because if we start to overlook things, we're not going to meet that patient's goal. So beyond the treatment that we did, so during that assessment, we also did treat the pelvic floor muscles at the same time. I provided her with some exercises that mostly consisted of relaxing the pelvic floor musculature that was taught or overused so that we weren't retightening that up and we're not going through the same cyclic issues that cause that tightness to begin with. But then we also gave stability exercises that drew in her inner thighs to try and get those muscles to kick back in again that weren't kicking in during her pregnancy to have her move more effectively and be more balanced as she continues to progress out of this early postpartum phase. During this treatment session, I also went over different postural cues, different body mechanics, especially with managing her son. You know, trying to hold your baby and cook or leaning over a changing table or holding your newborn and trying to gently lay them down in the bassinet or crib. Those, those are very challenging tasks, especially when you haven't been effectively kicking in your core for nine months plus the fo- four months postpartum too. Our plan of care at this time, we discussed we'd meet one time a week. We'd reassess the next visit based on how she responded. So the following week she comes in, 
after that treatment, she did not have pain with intercourse that week, which is a huge plus. That means those pelvic floor muscles were had finally loosened up and they are functioning with that functional task. She had a slight ache in the low back on the right side, but with the exercises, the postural awareness, the change in her body mechanics, the aching was not as intense and not as frequent compared to when she had seen me the previous week. So during that session, we reassessed the pelvic floor muscles. She was not as tender on that same area. And so it didn't take us as much time to treat that area with the internal assessment and treatment. We introduced lower abdominal activation. We tried to reconnect the body with how to get the core stabilizing from the front where the baby was sitting for nine months and growing and where that tissue and fascia happened to stretch out during that time. We started this in a controlled environment, meaning that when I had her do this, she was either on her hands and knees or she was laying on her back. That's where she was able to get the most feedback to kick this in well. And then we gave her different times to try this throughout the day to make it more functional. So trying to engage those lower abdominals while she's sitting and eating or while she's at a stoplight sitting in her car or standing in line at the grocery store. So it wasn't too overwhelming for the, for the body and for the system, but she's starting to incorporate it throughout the day so that way there's better carryover. And the more repetitions that we're able to incorporate that with, the quicker it's gonna come on and the quicker she's gonna be able to make a difference. So we ended that session. The following session, she came back in. Now she was able to engage her inner thighs much better. She was able to engage her lower abdominals without first squeezing those buttock muscles that we grasp onto right after pregnancy. She was able to start incorporating overall core to these functional movements. So then she was able to do it in in a laying down position. She was able to activate it when she was on her hands and knees. So we, we reassessed that. We then progressed kicking in lower abdominals, these inner thigh muscles to a squat, to bending or hinging forward. And those are challenging tasks because as you bend forward, the front of the pelvic floor takes a little bit more of a demand to it. And they're harder to control as you're adding more of a dynamic movement. Up until this point, she was static. She wasn't moving. She wasn't adding a bunch of other movements to it. Now we are adding more functional movements, which can be more of a challenge. So this required a little bit more cueing. We're taking away some of these tactile or sensory cues, and we are starting to ask her body to respond without as much feedback. So when do we, when do we incorporate this throughout the day? We are constantly squatting. We are squatting to bend over and hinging for that matter to reach into lower cabinets. Even reaching up overhead, we're asking her to engage her lower abdominals so that way we're taking pressure off of the low back. We're not asking her to, we're asking her to relax those 
buttock muscles while she does this because she's been so used to hanging on that to that for stability throughout her pregnancy and the four months postpartum that now we've got to adjust the demand so that there's multiple players out there. It's like when you have five players on the basketball court, you need all five players to contribute to achieve winning the game. If you've got one person that's doing all the work, you're not gonna win. So we've gotta make sure that we're taking that pressure off the low back and that we're moving forward with getting the entire core kicking in. So after four visits, she entered my clinic without any back pain. And she was still able to have intercourse without any pain either, which was fabulous. However, at this point in time, she was nervous about returning to her previous exercises that she was doing before she was pregnant. She wanted to avoid that onset of pain. She had not resumed these exercises while I was working with her for the first four visits because we were trying to break down some of the body mechanics. And at this point in time, I don't love discharging people because I wanna make sure they feel comfortable achieving this goal. So what we ended up doing was going over her previous exercise routine. We picked a day that, so we started with, we started with leg day. We went through those exercises and we modified them based off of where her physicality was at right now, where her fitness level was at. She felt so much more comfortable being able to do that. And even though she was doing about six exercises on those leg days, we backed it off to about three to four. One, she has a son that she needs to take care of now too, in addition to working, but also it's taking more concentration because she's now applying these core exercises. She, she's now implementing core and these home exercises that we were doing from a rehab perspective now we're trying to implement that into a previous exercise routine. And so that can take not only more physical effort, but it takes more of a conscious mental effort to be able to do it too. And so I don't love when people get frustrated or they start going through the motions and just the volume of exercises alone was going to fatigue these muscles. And I don't want people going through the motions. So I had explained to the patient, we're going to start with five to 10 reps of each exercise. If you feel like the quality of the activation that you are doing, the quality of the muscle that you are trying to engage is going down the sewer, then stop the exercise. You are fatiguing. Or we start implementing props that you can use to try to get these muscles to kick in. I have people use a yoga block or a foam roller or a folded pillow. Um, If people have bands at home, they can use bands. So we try to keep it pretty simple. One, so you're not spending a ton of money on it either, but using what you've got at home to make these gains to achieve your goals. And so after a couple of treatment sessions where we were going over different portions of her exercise program, that's when we backed off her plan of care to be, I'm going to see you once every other week. I want to see how you do with these exercises and these modifications. 
at that two week mark, then what we can do is we can go through new modifications for these exercises to continue to progress you. And she has been so successful. And really, I saw her up to eight visits. So the first four were weekly. And then we went every other week to where she felt confident going back to doing the exercise videos with the equipment she had at home without reproducing that pain. I guess what I want you to take from this episode is that there's so much more that can present from pelvic floor dysfunction that isn't located around the pelvis. We have so many different areas of fascia, muscle, joints, nerves, vasculature that intertwine with different areas of the body and the pelvic floor that we can experience pelvic floor symptoms elsewhere throughout the system too. And that's why it's so important to get as much detail and see how these people are moving to make sure we're making an appropriate assessment to get them to achieve their goals effectively too. Again, when we are looking at the pelvic floor, these different types of tissues, whether it's nerve, vasculature, um, fascia, or whatnot, these connections can lead to pain in both of the lower legs. It can lead to low back pain. It can be, lead to lower abdominal pain, mid-back pain, shoulder and neck pain, headaches. All of those symptoms can be related to the pelvic floor. I've seen multiple people walk in with, they think they have bilateral plantar fasciitis, but the pain that they're having is not that typical presentation of first thing in the morning. I don't love to rule out the pelvic floor when we're talking about both feet because the nerves from the tailbone area and from the low back go all the way down into both legs and into both sides of the pelvis. And so if we're just looking at the foot and we're not seeing when this is occurring, we may be overlooking something and then that person is not achieving their goals, they're not achieving their answers. And that's where this chronic pain can lead them to more dysfunction down the road too. So if you are experiencing any of these symptoms and you're not getting answers, I encourage you to reach out, whether it's messaging me or emailing me or calling, even just to ask questions about whether pelvic PT would be an appropriate route for you. The nice thing about physical therapy in Illinois is that you don't need a script from a physician to get assessed by a PT. If we find that it is the appropriate route for you to be in pelvic floor physical therapy, I am sending out the evaluation to your physician or healthcare team if there's multiple providers that you would like this information sent to. So they are on board and they are signing that script so that we can continue with our plan of care. 
I hope this was helpful for you. I hope this can resonate. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. As always, let's continue to transform from self-awareness to aware yes. 